Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. With us today, we have a fantastic guest. His name is Brad Finnerman. He is with FNH Solutions. I've known Brad for many, many years. Truly a talented person. He's author of the book Employee Engagement, which kind of has been so many years before when I read it, but it was really a fabulous book on employee engagement. He's a true expert on engagement and employee improvement. Uh, Brad, welcome. How are you doing? Doing well, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. What are the things the best people are doing to grow talent? I think one of the best things they're doing to grow talent is they're creating an environment where that is not only expected, uh, but it's appreciated, and people feel safe doing it. All too often, I think, a lack of transparency and fear get in the way of growth and learning. The only way you take risks, the only way you're willing to look less than perfect or stellar is if you know that it's safe to do so. And I think most people are focusing on building cultures that allow for learning. You know, I think that word safe is an interesting term. Could you maybe give us an example or two of how companies are making it safe? One is, in in some cases, if there's been a learning experience where someone's made a mistake, they publicly celebrate it in some way, shape, or form. Now, we're not celebrating a mistake. We're celebrating the learning, right? So we know that people are going to make mistakes. But if someone's grown and the business is better off because of that mistake and that learning, then we need to acknowledge it and acknowledge the benefit of that. And, and when I've seen organizations do that well, they have uh, really won. And you see that often in, in terms of another example in safety, in places where there's a lack of, of transparency and where there's fear. People don't feel safe. When someone makes a mistake, people try and hide it, and they play the blame game. In environments that really are about getting to the root cause, really understanding safety and quality at its core, and they understand that it's systemic more than it is a lot of times individual-based, the accidents, they really focus on a process and getting an answer and in making sure that that doesn't happen anymore and that they are truly getting closer to no accidents or a lack of defects. And when you do that, people stop blaming each other. They focus on improving the environment. And, and those organizations that have great safety and quality records are typically having those experiences because not because people have better skill sets. It's because they're better able to employ the skill sets uh, because they feel safe to do so. They can acknowledge that something happened and they were involved with it. Okay, let's go the other way. Let's have some fun. What are the worst people doing? Like? Obviously, one of the worst things they're doing is they are focusing on people's limitations. You know, when someone does make a mistake, when they struggle at something, there are two different types of managers. There's the, the manager that believes mostly like a caste system. It is a, it's a signal of your limitation when you make a mistake. It's a signal of uh, your capability and the lack thereof when you can't do something. And I look at those managers, I call them static managers, okay? And then I look at dynamic managers. Those are the ones that look at when people make a mistake, it's a feedback mechanism. It's an effort to tell us what did they do that caused them to go there? What did they do or not do? What was wrong in their effort? How could we help them approach this differently so they can find success? And so they see that as an opportunity as opposed to a limitation. So what the, the, the bad cultures and the managers that struggle are doing is they see problems, mistakes, 
as cement, as a limitation. This person or we can't go any further, and they give up. That's the worst thing I've seen. And it's such a limiting mindset, and it causes organizations to fall short over a long, sustainable period of time rather than that in just that short-term moment. Let's talk about the individual for a moment. What can people do to help improve their own career? What are maybe some simple things that people could do to, to, to make themselves better at what they do? Well, I think the first thing is they need to know who they are. I'm amazed at how many people lack self-awareness because they've never been pushed to reflect on what they bring to the table and what they may be missing uh, in terms of what they bring to the table. They haven't gone through assessments, 360-degree feedback tools, uh, or if they have, they did it early in their career and they've kind of forgotten about it as if development is a one-time event rather than a lifetime kind of passion or marathon. And so I think uh, the biggest challenge that uh, people need to do is they need to know who they are. So they really need to understand what talents they bring to the table, and they need to understand what makes them passionate and excited in their job. And the combination of those two things are really your individual genius. It's what makes you unique. It's what makes you special. And if you know that, then you have something to market. You have something to share with people. If you don't know that, then you're just looking for jobs. You're looking for promotions. And you're letting outside forces navigate your career instead of yourself. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net. T-O-R-T-A-L. Tortal.net. Okay, that sounds wonderful, and, and I agree. And people should look at themselves almost like their their own personal brand, and their own, they have their own personal passion. So I kind of figured this all out. What are some simple things? What are some things I can do now that I figured that out to improve myself? Sure, I think a couple of things that you need to do are you need to look at what you're doing now and what you really enjoy, and what you don't really enjoy, and start to map out. Uh, what's working for you in your current job and your current career path, okay? I also think you need to look at, um, you need to look at past. So look at your previous jobs. Where have you been successful? Where have you not been successful? Has it been related to your skill set or has it been related to your mindset, your passion? Uh, and then what I would also say is you need to start looking at where do you want to go two or three years from now. So after you've viewed your current situation, your past situation, and you understand a little bit more about what you bring to the table from a skill set foundation and from a passion foundation, if you're looking two, three, four, five years out, Start looking at that role, that job within that industry and say, do I have the skill set for that? If I, if I don't know, how can I get that skill? How can I find out whether I have the skill set or not? If I don't have it, how do I fill in the gap? Start talking to mentors, managers, um, key people. Interview people in those roles, right? Um, and then what I would also tell you to do is you need to begin to look at trends in the workplace and determine, is that going to be valued? Because there's, there's one aspect left beyond just do I have the talent and skills and am I passionate or motivated to do this kind of work? And that third circle is does anybody really need it or value it? And too many people actually are great and they know what they like and they know what they're good at, but they've kind of 
let the world pass them by and they forgot to look at, am I still doing something that has value or will I be doing something that has value in five years? So they need to look future forward and determine whether or not what they like and what they do has value. And if it doesn't, then they, they, need, to come, they need to come up with a career transition plan. Let's go higher up. Okay, you're a leader, you're one of the top senior executives. What do you do for yourself to develop yourself at that level? You know, I think for leaders uh, at that level, you're, you're in a different kind of a ballgame. And, and truly, it's hard because there aren't many people for you to talk with or talk to, right? Uh, it, they always say it's lonely at the top, and, uh, and there's a little truth to that. So I think uh, a couple things. One is finding people in other industries that are in similar roles that you can swap stories with and talk to helps a great deal. I think um, coming up with networking groups of CEOs and, and, and interacting with those folks helps. Finding a coach that can help, uh, help you bounce your ideas off of someone, get feedback. And the irony is I think too often people uh, in all roles, but especially in a, in a high-level role, spend so much time focusing on wanting somebody who's got – expertise in terms of an industry background or a, or a job background. Has somebody done this particular job in this industry before? And the truth is, when you, when you sit down, you ask people to outline their problems and the challenges and the things that drive them crazy, keep them awake at night. They list out things like morale, entitlement, a, a lack of commitment, all kinds of things. And rarely do you see much anything that's technical or the industry-specific stuff on that list. So they want to talk a lot about all the technical stuff, but the things that are driving them crazy are all the people stuff. And so I think largely at the top, what a lot of those executives need help with is they really need a sounding board with someone that understands culture, people, and how people and culture and organizations mix and work together because ultimately that's their biggest challenge is how do we build a profitable organization utilizing the people that we have on board and make sure that we're bringing the right ones on the board in the future. That's ultimately what they're dealing with, that and change. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making? You know, in, in terms of development, in terms of? In terms of developing their staff and growing their staff and, and, and such. And, and, and maybe I'll add to this because, I mean, we, I just shared a mistake. You know, what can people do to, what are the mistakes and what can people do to avoid them? Sure, sure. But I think the first mistake people make is they use, it, they use development as an annual review experience. You know, you set goals at the beginning of the year and then you revisit them at the end of the year. You still see that happening a lot these days. And development is a process. It's not a once-a-year event. So I think the, the first thing people need to get in their head straight is development doesn't happen once a year. Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing I'd say is that uh, we give subtle messages to our people. And when I say subtle messages, here's a great example. You've heard the term go-to person before, correct, right. Evan? Yeah. When you use the term go-to person, and that's the person that you trust, that you go to for your key assignments, the things you need, sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah. But what, what message are you actually sending to the rest of your staff? If that's your go-to person, what are they? Who are they? They're your no-go-to okay. people. Yeah, yeah your no-go-to people. So what you really basically told them is, I'm not going to develop you. There's no point in your development because I don't trust you with things. This 
is the person I trust. And so when you start to do that, you lose an opportunity to leverage your entire staff. So I think that's the second big mistake people make. The third big mistake I think people make is they, they use training as a vehicle to deal with problems. And they send people away from work consistently for training. And I'm not saying training is bad. There are, there's a time and place for training. But then they take their bad performer and they send them to training. And uh, and then when they come back, they're not fixed. So they send training again. And what you end up doing is you're, you're losing your people hours at work. So performance actually goes down even more because of the effort to continually fix people off-site. And I would encourage people to start thinking about using work assignments as developmental assignments. See, all too often, we don't strategically dish out or delegate work assignments. We we dump activities on people's plates without any kind of strategic point of view. But if we actually tie development and, and, and delegation of work assignments to a strategic need at your organization, so you know your organization's better for it, and you tie it to someone's career development, you're making the organization and the individual better in the process. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. What's the difference between delegating on some, to somebody and dumping something on someone? People use dumping and they call it delegation. But essentially, dumping is removing tasks from your plate that you really don't want to do or don't have to do and handing it off to other people to work on. Now, that has to happen sometimes. So I'm not saying that you, you never can dump. What I am saying is you should never dump tasks at somebody else's plate and tell them, I'm delegating to you. I'm growing you. This is a great opportunity because they know you're lying to them. They know it's not a great opportunity and you've now destroyed whatever trust you had. So if you're going to dump, then what you need to do is you need to be honest. I, I don't have time to get this done. We have a deadline. I really need your help. Can, can you jump in and help me? Right? That's a great way to handle dumping. Delegation, on the other hand, is about using work assignments, job assignments to not only grow your people, but to grow them in a way that has a strategic um, value for the organization. The organization has a need for it. It benefits the organization in some way, shape, or form. So you're bettering the person and the organization at the same time. Sounds good. Why don't we talk about delegation for a little bit? Sure. What are kind of the key things, core steps, kind of things for, to be a good delegator? You know, the irony is that there's about four core steps, and there are some key things to do in each of those steps, but I'll share with you the four core steps right now. The first one that people skip over all the time is define the project. You know, the irony is they identify the project, but they don't ever really define it. And, and the reality is you need to define what it is that you're going to hand over to someone. Are there any critical milestones or steps they have to take that they need to know about beforehand? Is there a firm end date that they have to be aware of so they can hit the mark? Do you know what success looks like so you can tell them what the goal is, right? Why are we doing this? So there's a variety of things that you need to look at uh, and define prior to even thinking about talking to people. So that's the first step. Second step is matching the assignment. And if you notice, I didn't use the word assign. I said match. 
And that's because you need to look at what the skills are that are needed in that role, right? And what what type of person do you need? What personality traits do you need? What, what kind of passion does someone need to have to be successful in this role and doing this job? You need to look at those things and compare them to your people. And you need to compare them to things like availability and workload and skill set, a number of things. We have a kind of checklist to give people before you even decide who your choice is, right? And that's extremely important. Then the next step is actually assigning the assignment. And, and typically this is done in a very sloppy way because you haven't done the first two steps very well. And, and ultimately, there is a conversation, a, st a structured conversation that needs to happen so that you can hand off this job assignment to somebody else in a meaningful way and set them up for success. And then the last one is monitoring the assignment, monitoring the project. And, and ultimately, you need to be thinking about not just skill stretch and, and do they have the skills to do this. And, and if they do, I could probably leave them and, and be more free with them. Or if they don't, I might need to provide more structure. But you also have a challenge with how you delegate. Because everyone delegates with a style, right? And how they prefer to be delegated to. Everybody has a style, right? And, and that style is made up of things like how much ambiguity are you comfortable with? See, as a manager, I might say I like to give them a lot of freedom. But if I'm working with somebody who needs a lot of structure, I'm going to scare the daylights out of them. The flip side is I may like to give a lot of structure, but if I'm working with somebody who likes a lot of freedom, I'm going to drive them crazy. And so the truth is there's no one style that's right or wrong. It's the person in front of you and what their needs are and what the needs of the organization are that makes one right or wrong. And so you need to look at things like how people work with others, their interpersonal needs, their tolerance for ambiguity, and their skills, and utilize all of that to determine how you're going to monitor the assignment and support the employee that you're delegating the assignment to. Why do people, let's say, that have been trained and kind of even at times can be good delegators, but maybe at other times don't, why do they still struggle with, with delegation? I think the biggest reason is, is the monitoring the project, which, which actually is, I, I highlight it when you monitor the project, but it really flows through all the steps, which is really the whole style. You know, everybody focuses on the substance. And again, it goes back to the technical aspect of things. Is it more about the stuff or is it more about the people? And it's really more about the people. The truth is we all need to understand what makes us tick. And so, for instance, when we work with organizations and individuals on delegation, we have a, an assessment that we use that tells a manager, here's your delegation style. Here's how you like to delegate. And it tells them whether they like to be more of a structured manager. Some people would call it micromanaging. Um, but they like to provide structure. Or they like to provide a lot of freedom. Or they're somewhere in the middle. We, uh, we look at when um, they delegate. Do they like to delegate in a way where they like to work with um, the employee they're delegating? Or do they like to kind of give them freedom and, and let them go off on their own? We also look at interpersonal needs. So how much of a relationship do you need? How much closest do you need with someone in order to be able to delegate to them and make that work, right? And so the reality is they begin to go, okay, now I know my style. I know how I work with this person, right? Or I work with my people. Now, does that work for the person I'm delegating to? So we actually give their team a style assessment on how they like to be delegated to. And so all of a sudden, a manager now knows 
what their preferences are, and they know what their employees' preferences are. And they know whether there's a match or a mismatch. And then that becomes this great dialogue and conversation between those two and almost a negotiation between those two on what's going to work for both of them to make this a success. And so all of a sudden you're now talking about um, things that, uh, that are no longer transparent. They're no longer, I'm not transparent, they're no longer in hiding. It's all transparent and it's out in the open. And, uh, and it makes sense. Everything that was invisible is now visible. Um, okay, let's take this delegation thing down because we're about out of time. One tip on delegation, the most single, most single important thing. Gosh, I think there's, there are two things that I would, I would give you. One is if you're going to delegate an assignment to someone, you need to tell them two things. One is why did you pick them? Why would they be successful? Why do you have confidence that they can pull this off? You know, that alone increases the chance of success in, in a huge manner. I, I, and it's something we never or rarely share with our employees, and, and we should. I mean, it's, it's a powerful, powerful um, piece. It gives them confidence, and it also tells them what strengths they need to leverage to be successful in the assignment. The second thing I would tell you that they need to really share is, um, and they need to do is to, to share with the employee why the organization needs this. Why does this have value to the organization? Because too many employees have assignments and they don't see the connection to what they're doing and why it's important to the organization. And if you don't see the connection, you don't see it as important. And if you don't see it as important, then you don't do the same job that you would if you see it as having real value. So you need to share those two things. Why you? Why would you be successful? And two, why is this important to the organization? Well, thank you, Brad, very much. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank everyone for listening. Everyone have a wonderful day. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.